Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. MLBC is led by Pastor Dennis Fountain and exists to help real people going through real life experience real change through our incredible God. We hope this message will be an encouragement to you, and we'd love to hear how God used it in your life. Today, we're actually wrapping up our series. We've spent five weeks in this, 48 verses. That's all that the book of Jonah is, and yet we can learn so many lessons, and really, we could probably spend another five or eight weeks in it, and we still wouldn't even scratch the surface of everything that's there for us. And so I'm looking forward to concluding it today, and uh, then we'll be starting a brand new series in the book of Luke in a couple of weeks. We're going to be on our, uh, our theme for Anniversary Sunday and some build-up for that, and so I'm looking forward to it, all, all of that. But today, Jonah chapter 4 is where we're going to be. So take your Bible, and let's go to Jonah chapter number 4, Jonah chapter number 4 this morning. And I want to know today if you can remember people in your life, I call them the one-uppers. That's what I call them. But they're the people who, no matter what you're talking about, they know best. Do you know what I'm talking about? You know, I'm, 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 not, I'm not talking about the ones who just, you know, they just tell a story or tell a joke or tell an experience. I'm talking about the people that they have a better story, a better experience, a better joke, a better solution. And it's like, no matter what you say, you're wrong. You know those kind of people? How many of you can remember somebody like that in your life, all right? Don't elbow your spouse. Don't do that. Some of you are getting ready to know. I remember I had, I had uh, some people like that, and, and every now and then we come across, no doubt. And unfortunately, we can probably be those people every now and then. We can be that one that think we know best. But I remember specifically, I had a roommate in college. At one of the colleges I went to, one of my roommates was that way. But the one I really want to tell you about is at another college, while I was getting my master's degree, it was a coworker that I had. And this coworker, he, uh, to say that he was arrogant would not even scratch the surface of his personality. I, I like him. He, he was a friend. We had a good time together. But I, I cannot tell you how often he was the expert. But he was an expert on things that he knew nothing about. <laughs> he didn't go to the college that I went to. And yet every time I talked about the college or a class, I would say something like, yeah, my professor said this. And he would go, your professor's wrong. <laughs> and I'd look at him. Of course, I would be in the passenger seat because he always drove because he was the better driver. And I, looked, I would look over at him. And I'm going to call him Fred for the sake of the illustration. That wasn't his name, but I'd say, Fred, you, you don't even go to the school. He would go, yeah, but your professor's, your professor's wrong. He's just wrong. I know better. I'm like, okay, Fred, if you say so. At the time, Hannah and I were in our second year of marriage. And like now, I was still learning. Then I was learning a lot more. Right now, I'm still learning a lot more about marriage. But I remember... I would talk to him, not about marriage situ situations or issues or anything. I just talk about marriage. Hannah was expecting little Dennis at the time. And so I'd talk about the excitement there. And you know what he always had? He always had marriage advice all the time. He wasn't married. 
And he would tell me, he would tell me, I mean, I, I could tell you countless times, and Anna could speak to it, times I would come home and I would be like, hey, did you know Fred told me this? And she'd be like, well, that's crazy. I'd be like, I know. But then I would go, to, I'd go back to work the next day and I'd say, hey, Fred, hey, Fred, what you said, it, it doesn't make sense. And he'd go, yes, it does. You're wrong. And I'm, I'm not exaggerating. That was his personality all, wasn't it, Hannah? She's looking, she knows exactly who I'm talking about. All the time he knew best. What's it like being around people like that? Ah, it's kind of frustrating, isn't it? Yeah, it's tiring. Man, when you're around people like that, you wanna, you wanna honestly like give them a problem that you're like, you know nothing about this, so go ahead and give me a solution. And then you can throw it back in their face and be like, ah, you were wrong, ha, ha, ha. Now I'm best, you know. <clears throat> None of us enjoy the experience of that interaction with somebody. But unfortunately, how many of us have or portray that action with God? That's what the book of Jonah is about. You see, Jonah, his entire attitude was this. God, Jonah knows best. God, I know best. And before we condemn Fred, my coworker, I want us to look introspectively before we even condemn Jonah to look introspectively and realize that there are more times than we probably are willing to admit that we, like Jonah, say, God, I know best. Jonah chapter four, we'll be there in just a minute. If you know the story, if you've been with us for uh, any, any of the series, and of course, um, Pastor Brian just summarized it for us a minute ago. He's tell, telling us the story of Jonah. What happened? Well, Jonah was a prophet for the people of Israel. God came to Jonah, and Jonah had been prophesying for over 20 years. Successfully, he had done well. God came to Jonah and said, Jonah, I want you to get up, and I want you to go 550 miles to the northeast to the city of Nineveh. I want you to go to Nineveh, to the capital city of the Assyrians, or the major city of the Assyrians. I want you to go, and I want you to preach what I tell you to preach, Jonah. Well, Jonah hated the Assyrians, and so Jonah, he said, no, God, and he went 500, or he went uh, um, uh, to uh, the, the uh, seaport city of Jaffa, Joppa. He got on a boat, paid a ticket, got on a boat, and then he was going to go 2,500 miles west. God had said, go 500 miles east. Jonah said, no, I'm going to go five times further to get away from you. He got in that boat. What did God do? Well, God sent a wind into the boat. God sent a storm. God sent sailors. And then eventually it got to the point, Jonah chapter one, that Jonah said, hey, I know all of this is happening because of me and it is better for me to die. Throw me overboard. The sailors, they do everything they can to not have to throw him overboard, but eventually they succumb to his influence and they say, all right, they throw him overboard. Jonah's thinking, that's it. I'm a goner. I'm done. But you read Jonah chapter one, verse number 17. It says, but the Lord prepared a fish. Hey, don't, don't read over those phrases in the book of Jonah. The Lord prepared a wind. The Lord prepared a fish. The Lord prepared a gourd. The Lord prepared a worm. The Lord prepared a vehement wind. You know what God is constantly doing? And you and I need to be thankful for this each and every day. God is constantly going before you preparing. Hey, he's preparing. Hey, he sees today. You know what he's doing? He's preparing today for you. Well, God prepared a fish I'm, hopefully a fish isn't prepared for you today, but uh, God prepared a fish. 
unless you're catching it and eating it. Maybe that would be good, but... He prepared this fish. This fish swallowed Jonah. And after three days and three nights, then Jonah prays. He cries out to the Lord. He cries out to the Lord. He says, all right, God, fine. Fine, I give in. I'll go preach. That fish pukes him up. Jonah's on that coast now, the Mediterranean Sea. They're just probably north of, of uh, Jerusalem. Now would be the, the city of Tel Aviv and all of that, or Netanya maybe on the, on the Mediterranean coast. And Jonah is there, and now he's got a 550-mile trek without any of his stuff, smelling like vomit, fish vomit. Micah ate some sardines yesterday. You know where I, you know where I made him eat them? outside. When he walked in with the container, I said, throw it away outside. I can't imagine that smell being all over me. And yet it's all over Jonah. He travels to Nineveh. He goes in three, one day into the city. And what does he do? Chapter three, we saw it two weeks ago. He goes in and he preaches and the whole city turns to God. Nearly 500,000 people turn to God from the king to the, from the prince to the pauper, from the rich to the poor. Man, they all turn to God. And I wish that I could say Jonah chapter three and verse number 10, when it says God, uh, God saw their works and that they turned from their evil way and God repented of the evil that he had said that he would do unto them and he did it not. The end, I would love if we could end the story there. But we don't because God doesn't. And God told Jonah to write the next part for us. So here's what I want to do this morning. We're going to jump into this story. We're going to see that Jonah, he had this mindset of, I know best. And what I want us to see today is what God did with Jonah. Uh, today, as I, don't get too excited, I have two points. What? Now, that doesn't mean the sermon's going to be any shorter. It just means I have two points that are longer. Now, here's the two points today. I'll give them to you, and, and we'll look at them. The first is Jonah's anger. The second is God's answer. Jonah's anger, God's answer. Jonah thought he knew best, and God takes Jonah chapter number four to teach him this principle that I want all of us to learn today. If you don't learn anything else, walk out with this. God always knows best. He always knows best, and I can trust him. Jonah chapter four, let's go there. Take your Bible and stand with me. We're gonna read the whole chapter. That way we get an overview, and then we will dive into it, and we'll look at these Verse by verse, Jonah chapter four, beginning in verse number one, the word of God says this, but it displeased Jonah. What, what displeased Jonah? The revival. It displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was very angry. And he, Jonah, he prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore, I fled before unto Tarshish. For because I knew that thou art a gracious God, and merciful. You're slow to anger and of great kindness and repentest thee of the evil. Therefore now, O Lord, take my life, take, I beseech thee, my life from me. And notice this phrase, for it is better for me to die than to live. Then the Lord, he says to Jonah, doest thou well to, to be angry? 
So Jonah, he went out of the city and he sat on the east side of the city and there made him a booth, a little tent, and sat under it in the shadow till he might see what would become of the city. And the Lord, the Lord God prepared a gourd and made it come up over Jonah that it might be a shadow over his head to deliver him from his grief. So Jonah, he was exceeding glad because of the gourd. But God prepared a worm. When the morning rose the next day and it smote the gourd that it withered. And it came to pass when the sun did arise that God prepared a vehement east wind and the sun beat upon the head of Jonah that he fainted and wished in himself to die and said, notice the phrase again, it is better for me to die than to live. And God said to Jonah, doest thou well to be angry for the gourd? And he, Jonah said, I do well to be angry even unto death. Then said the Lord, Thou hast had pity on the gourd, for the which thou hast not labored, neither madest it grow, which came up in a night, and it perished in a night. And should not I spare Nineveh, that great city wherein are more than six score thousand persons that cannot discern between their right hand and their left, and also much cattle? Then the book of Jonah end in an interesting way. It's this discussion between Jonah and God, and yet it ends in a question mark. The reason is this today. Jonah believed that he knew best, and God was pausing Jonah's life to say, Jonah, you don't know best. And Jonah, I'm going to show you, you. You see, what a lot of people think is that the book of of Jonah is about God revealing the Ninevites to Jonah, when in actuality, it's about God revealing Jonah to Jonah. And I think this morning, if, if we would allow the Lord to, he could help us to see the times in our life when we think we know best and what the solution for those times is. All right, so let's pray, and then we'll get into our study today. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, would you take a minute and just in the quietness of your own heart, would you pray and ask God to speak to you today? Would you pray and give God permission to speak to you today? And then make a commitment. God, if you speak to me, I'm going to listen to you today. Dear Lord, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for the music, the time of worship, and to lift you up. And God, I pray that as we come to uh, the time in the word, I pray that you'd help every single one of us, whether in person or online, or even those that will watch this later this week. I pray, God, that you would speak to each of our hearts, help us to hear from you. I do humble myself before you, Lord, and I pray that you would convey through me what you have spoken to me about. I love you. Thank you for what you're going to do. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You go ahead and be seated. <clears throat> As we come to our passage, again, just two, two simple points today. And the first one that we're going to look at is this. That's Jonah, Jonah's anger. It's Jonah's anger. And if we're honest, we've all been where Jonah is. What's Jonah angry about? Well, he's angry, the verse number one, it says, but it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was very angry. What is he displeased about? Well, he's displeased about it. Okay, well, what is it? 
You gotta go back one chapter and you gotta see that it is the revival. A revival was taking place. The people of Nineveh had repented and God hadn't judged them. God wasn't sending down fire from heaven and that displeased Jonah. Why Why would it displease Jonah? Well, Jonah helps us see some things about his own heart, but the fact of the matter is that Jonah was upset that God was not doing what Jonah wanted God to do. That's it. I'm gonna say it again. Jonah, he was mad at God. He was upset that God was not doing what Jonah wanted God to do. Jonah said, I know best. Let me ask you, has there been times in your life when you said to God, God, how dare you? God, I can't believe you. Oh, no. Now, maybe if we're here this morning, sometimes we resign ourselves from Bible situations and we think, well, you know, I, I would never do that. I would never run from God. I would never go and buy a ticket and get on a boat and get. So I would never. I would never do that. Okay, maybe you would never do the action that Jonah did in fleeing. But I guarantee that you and I, at times, we too say, "God, I know better." Times when God says, hey, surrender this area of your life, and we say no. Times when God says, hey, forgive that person, and we say no. Times when God says, hey, I'm going to bless them and not you, and we say, but why? I deserve it. They don't. Jonah was upset that God was not doing what Jonah thought he should be doing. And so notice what Jonah says in verse number two, and the verse is not on the screen, but notice what he says. It says, he prayed unto the Lord, verse two, and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? Now, now, now the the curtain is being pulled back a little bit for us as readers on the conversation in chapter number one. Jonah says, hey, God, uh, we've already been through this. God, isn't this what I said when you asked me? God, a few days ago, a few weeks ago, when you asked me to come to Nineveh, didn't I tell you that this would happen? And then notice what he does. Therefore, I fled before into Tarshish. God, I knew you were going to show mercy, so I fled from you because I knew that thou art a gracious God, merciful, slow to anger, of great kindness, and repentest thee of evil. You know what Jonah does? He throws God's character back in God's face. And don't miss it this morning. We actually can learn a lot about God from this passage. People that say, oh, the God of the Old, the God of the Old Testament, he's just a God of judgment. Here's a prophet from the Old Testament that said, God, you know what you are? You're too gracious and you're too merciful. You're too slow of anger. God, you are too forgiving. That's what, that's, what the, that's what the prophet's saying and throwing back in the face of God. And so here's Jonah's conclusion. Therefore now, hey God, because of this, because you are too much of a good God, I'm begging you to take my life from me. And notice the phrase, for or because it is better for me. Better for me to die than to live. You know what Jonah was doing? Jonah was struggling on the inside while he was serving on the outside. 
And this passage reveals a much deeper problem in Jonah's life. It reveals his anger against God. Why? Because Jonah believed that he knew better than God. And he prayed to God, God, how dare you? How dare you show kindness and mercy to the people of Nineveh? And his anger reveals that deeper issue that he believed he knew better than God. You know, in your life and in my life, we often can get angry at God because we think we know better than God. Oh, now we may not say that, but our life says it at times. But here's what I really want us to catch this morning. Jonah, he believed that God's grace was good for his life and when he approved, but God's grace was not good for the lives of those whom he did not like. Listen, don't look past the prejudice and the bias that is in this passage. Why did Jonah not want to go to Nineveh? He wanted Nineveh to be judged. Why did Jonah want Nineveh to be judged? Because the Ninevites, the Assyrians, were some of the worst enemies of God's people. The Assyrians did ruthless, unthinkable, uh, godless things to the people of Israel. Listen, the Assyrians had hurt Jonah's life, Jonah's family, Jonah's people, Jonah's heritage. They had hurt everything about Jonah. Hey, hey, don't miss it. It's gonna be a little hard to hear, a little hard to, to maybe uh, apply this to our lives a touch this morning. But Jonah hated the people of Nineveh. And humanly speaking, we would say, well, duh. He had a right to, humanly speaking. But that's when we're viewing things through our lens and not through God's. Hey, listen, here's Jonah's anger. My anger is justified because I deserve God's grace, but they don't. You ever said that about somebody? We all have, haven't we? Oh, maybe we won't say I deserve God's grace and they don't. Here's what we say. God, I can't believe you're blessing them and not me. God, it seems like good things happen to them and bad things happen to me. God, it seems like you're really good in their life, but not in mine. God, it seems like, and we begin to put accusation upon God saying that those who have done, listen, we say that those who have done us wrong do not deserve God's forgiveness. Well, pastor, you just don't know what they've done to me. You're right, I don't know, but God does. And here's what God said. They deserve his forgiveness just like you deserve his forgiveness. Oh, it doesn't mean somebody who's hurt you that you let them in your sphere of influence again. I'm not saying that at all. Listen, we, there are, I understand, and I hope you understand my heart as a pastor to say that there, in life there are going to be times when people hurt us. They do not deserve us to trust them again. Mark that down. That's just, that's just the way relationships work and friendships and coworkers and all that type of stuff. But you know what we do is we look at everything through that lens and we say, well, I really hope God strikes them dead. <laughs> oh, we would never say it. But sometimes our actions and our heart 
It's screaming that to God. You know what Jonah's mindset was? God, I want you to be good to me, but not to them. Isn't it amazing how we maximize the sins of other people, but we minimize our own sins? Don't we do that? We begin to live performance-based theology. Well, God, I'm, don't you see what I'm doing here? I don't deserve. God, I don't. God, I. God, I. God, I know better. This is where Jonah is. He's living a better-for-me mindset. Better-for-me mindset. In Jonah's life, it's interesting to me, do you see all the times when he says, it would be better for me to die than to live. God, it would be better for me if you would. God, it would be better for me. Jonah never had the excitement of, God, what's better for you? He never had the the direction, the decision of, God, what would be better for you? Here's what Jonah was. Jonah was a wishy-washy believer. Now, before we condemn him, we all get there because here's why. When God's plan matches Jonah's plan, God is a really good God and a really merciful God. But when God's plan doesn't match Jonah's plan, Jonah says, life isn't worth living. God, just kill me. Do you see the two extremes? And yet we can live there. God, you are so good to me. You're blessing me. I got a promotion. I, I, my family's doing well. Marriage doing good. Man, God is so good. God, I lost my job and they got the promotion. How dare you? Do you even see me? God, I can't. We, we live. Hey, may, maybe you don't need this this morning. Maybe this is just for Dennis because Dennis Fountain lives there sometimes where I say, God, I don't want you to do what's better for you. I want you to do what's better for me. It's like that kid on the playground. Remember the kid on the playground when you'd be playing a sport and the game wasn't going his way? We played kickball. I ain't played kickball growing up. And man, we played kickball growing up. And some of you that wasn't invented when you went through school, but I'm not gonna talk about you right now, but... <laughs> play kickball growing up, and you know what would happen? There'd be that one kid that you'd, you'd be playing, and his team would be losing, and as soon as that ball got kicked to wherever he was, he'd pick it up, and he'd just walk. He's like, recess is over, and you're like, no, it's not, man. It's lunch break. We got like, we got 38 more seconds, bro. Come on, and I'm taking my baseball bat, and I'm going home. Why? Because you're not playing the way I think you should play. You know, Jonah got mad when God wasn't playing by Jonah's rules. I wonder how many times have you and I got angry at God because he's not playing by our rules. Jonah's anger, it's there, but here's what I want us to see secondly today, and that's God's answer. Let me, I'm not trying to be sacrilegious or anything. I want, I want us to think about what if we were God in this story? Okay, you're God in this story. You have this little complainer that's accusing you, that's aggravated at you, that's frustrated at you. What would you do? 
on to the next. (laughs) Think about it this way. You're the parent in the front seat. You're driving. Kids are going crazy in the back, throwing things at you. We had a youth activity years ago, driving down the road. This is back when we were in, in Tacoma. Driving down the road, and we were on the top of Snoqualmie Pass, driving a five-hour drive to a, uh, for the purpose of going to help a church plant with outreach before a big service. We're driving. I look in the mirror, and I see some of the teenage girls in the back with their cell phones. And I said, hey, your cell phones, you're not supposed to have those. Turn them in. A couple of them were like, oh, okay, and they passed them up. One girl, she wasn't passing it up, and I knew she wasn't, and she had an attitude all the time. And you remember this? And I looked in the mirror and I was like, called her my name, Give, pass your phone up, do it. And back and forth, back and forth for about like five minutes. I, I, I'm like the parent, don't make me pull this van over. <laughs> I'm not exaggerating. Rocket phone came through. I'm surprised it didn't break the windshield. Bam, broke the phone, fell on the ground. <laughs> I didn't want to be youth pastor, Dennis. I wanted to be like... WWF, Dennis, about to throw down. <clears throat> Man, when you're, when you're driving, when your kids are, when someone's mouthing off, hey, what would you do? Your, your kid or some teenager just begins mouthing off to you. Question, would you like, hey, let's go out for ice cream. You know, hey, you just threw that phone at me. I'm gonna pull over and buy you a coffee. Let's do that. Let's sit down and talk about this. No, I'm not doing that. You know what I actually did on that trip? I called her parents, got to the top of Snoqualmie Pass, left her, and her parents had to come get her. I was like, you're not going. We're not doing this. Now that's Dennis's response. And you're like, well, Dennis, that's a great response. In that situation, it was. In this situation, you want to know what God did? God pulled over, bought him an ice cream cone, set Jonah down, showed grace and talked to him. Aren't you thankful God shows grace? Hey, Jonah's anger was justified in his mind. God's grace is not justified in our mind, and yet God showed grace to him. How did God show grace? Notice it with me. Verse number four, God said, "Uh, doest thou well to be angry? Hey, Jonah, is your anger really justified right now? Hey, Jonah, are you really seeing things clearly? You know what God was doing? God was asking Jonah a question because questions provoke thought, and questions can provoke you and I to look introspectively. And that's what God was trying to get Jonah to do. Hey, Jonah, I want you to stop looking at me, God. Jonah, I want you to start looking at you. Is it good for you to be angry right now? Now, what Jonah do? Verse five. Jonah, as he's in the city, he gets up and he goes east to the outside of the city. Remember, he entered in the west, traveled one day, preached the message. Revival's taking place as he's traveling through. Now he's on the other side of the city. He goes, he climbs up a hill, and then he pitches a booth. He makes himself a tent. Why? Scorching heat. Why did Jonah do this? Because Jonah was like, oh, God asked me, do I do well to be angry? And Jonah read into it from Jonah's perspective. Oh, maybe I spoke too soon. (laughs) Maybe God is going to judge them. So he goes out of the city, pitches a tent, and he waits till he might see what would become of the city. That's what it says. Now here's Jonah, tent and all. <laughs> this is going to be good. 
got my marshmallows ready because I'm making some s'mores when that fire comes down. That's Jonah's mindset. What does God do? Well, God prepares a gourd, a vine. And God provides air conditioning in this crazy heat. If you've ever been there, those, there are some in here that went with us to Israel this year, or this, uh, this last September, uh, the day that we were um, near the Dead Sea. How hot it was, that's, that's how hot it would have been. I mean, just scorching heat where it's 15 to 20 degrees cooler just in the shade. No fan, just in the shade. So what's God do? God gives him air conditioning. Jonah's complaining, God, how dare you? You're so, I can't believe, God, you know what your problem is? You're too loving. I can't believe you would do this. Doest thou well to be angry? Oh, oh, maybe you will strike him dead. Okay, air conditioning. And then do you see what we read? He put shadow over his head to deliver him from his grief. And then this is the only place in the entire book we read this line. So Jonah was exceeding glad. Only place in the entire story we see Jonah happy. Why is he happy? Hey, don't, don't miss it. Why is he happy? Because he's comfortable. Why is he happy? Because he's taken care of. Why is he happy? Because he's in the shade. But the story continues because God prepared a worm that rose up the next day and when it, and it smote the gourd that it withered, that vine is gone. It came to pass that when the sun did arise that God prepared a vehement east wind and the sun beat upon the head of Jonah that he fainted and wished himself to die. And he said this, it's better for me to die than to live. You know what Jonah does in this moment? Jonah, he's there, air conditioning, goes to sleep. Wakes up the next day, the air conditioning is gone. And where's Jonah at again? Oh, God, how dare you? It's better for me to die than to live. Can I say something about this before we move on? And that's this, the trials reveal the real me, especially when things don't go my way. Hey, trials reveal the real Dennis Fountain when things don't go Dennis Fountain's way. Here's Jonah. Man, God, you're so good. The gourd, you're going to strike him dead. I love it. Next morning, God, where's my air conditioning? Why isn't the fire going? God, I... And he's completely upset. You know what happened is these little trials, they just revealed what was way down. And then God speaks to Jonah. Jonah. Hey, Jonah, do you do well to be angry for the gourd? And Jonah said, I do very well to be angry for the gourd. I'm gonna, I'm gonna stay angry until I die. <clears throat> and here's what God says. And don't miss this. Because God's like, okay, Jonah, you're not getting it. You're not getting it. Here it is, Jonah. You've had pity on a gourd for which you did not labor. Neither madest it grow. You, you did nothing for the gourd. And that gourd came up in a night and it perished in a night. Should not I spare Nineveh, the great city, wherein are more than six score thousand persons that cannot discern between their right hand and left hand and also much cattle? But, well, okay, God, what are you saying to me? Hey, Jonah, you've been living a better for you life. And it's so bad, Jonah, you're so selfish that you are more excited about the shade of a plant 
than you are about the salvation of people. Jonah, you are more excited about the environment than you are about the eternity of souls. When it says there are 120,000 that can't discern between right hand and left hand, many commentators believe this refers to the children. There's over 120,000 innocent lives. They don't know right from wrong yet. They haven't had the opportunity to choose. And then somebody else said, and God also threw in much cattle just to say, Jonah, you're excited about a vine and you're willing to give up souls. You're willing to give up sustenance. You're willing to give up everything because you are viewing life through what's better for you. I'm going to be very honest today. That hits right here. Because so often Dennis Fountain is driven by what's better for Dennis. And in my marriage, sometimes I'm driven by what's better for Dennis. As a parent, sometimes I'm driven by what's better for Dennis. And as a boss, as a pastor, as a friend, as a son, as a sibling, sometimes we're driven by what's better for me. You know, Jonah's issue was, Jonah's issue was he thought he knew best. And here's the point that God makes to him at the end of the story. Jonah, everyone needs God's grace. Hey, Jonah, you think you deserve it. So do the Ninevites. Jonah, you're excited about a gourd, but you've forgotten about eternity. And here's God saying to Jonah, Jonah, you... You're excited about this gourd that comes up in a moment and then is gone in a moment, and yet you are missing souls that are around for eternity. Jonah, what about, the, what about the children? Jonah, you are choosing the wrong attitude in this, and the fact is that Jonah, in this passage, he represents so many people. So many people who believe that God's grace is good for them, but not for others. I see Jonah represented in the Pharisees in the New Testament who believed that God was good for them, but not for anybody else. I see them in the early believers that believed that God was good for the Jews, but not for the Gentiles. I see Jonah in some forms of Christianity today that believe that God is good for them and their church, but not anybody else that disagrees with maybe their preference or what they would sing or what they would wear or where they would go or what they would do. Hey, listen, the truth is today, we get like Jonah, we get so caught up on plants and stuff that we miss people. We get so caught up on politics and we forget people. We get so caught up on our preferences and we miss people. We get so caught up in our priorities and we miss people. You know what Jonah is helping, what God is helping Jonah with? Quit missing people, man. Jonah, quit missing people. They're eternal. Everyone needs God's grace. And there's a lot in Jonah, isn't there? So we come to the end of the series. Today's the last message. So my question, my thought to myself as I was wrapping up my notes this week is, well, what should I be challenged with? 
I mean, maybe there's one little thing that was said in the message that's challenging, but I wanna give you very quickly some takeaways from the book of Jonah. Takeaways that I believe will help you. If you write notes down, write these down. These are takeaways that'll help you, they'll help me. Takeaway number one, people are more important. More important than what? Yes. Hey, people are more important than you winning your argument at work. People are more important than you proving that your way of thinking is better. People are more important than problems and issues. People are more important. Maybe today you would say, God, would you help me to see the eternality of people? God, help me to put a priority upon people, not on plans. God, help me to put a, put a priority on people, not on, not on my production. God, help me to put a priority on souls. Takeaway number one, people are more important. Takeaway number two, God knows best and I really can trust him. Takeaway number two, God knows best and I really can trust him. Hey, what situation in your life is causing you to question God? Maybe today you would step back and say, God, I'm, I wanna trust you. Now, I wanna say about this, when we do this, does it mean that all frustrations and all hurts and all things are gonna dissipate? No. No, it doesn't. Hey, some of you have gone through some situations in life that you wouldn't wish on your worst enemy. But having this perspective doesn't negate the hurt that you've gone through. Here's what you do. You say, God, here's, God, here's all my complaints. Uh, you, you see what I've been through. And God, this hurts. God, look, look what they did, look what they did. Look, and, and, it, and it's, it hurts. But here's what you and I can do every day. We can say, God, I don't know what to do with this. Would you help me give it to you? God, would you help me leave it with you? And when, then, when your humanity says, oh, pick it up, get bitter, get frustrated, and you go back to it, you say, no, no. God, help me to know that I really can trust you. And while people make decisions that affect my life, I can trust that you will provide me wisdom and grace for what I need. Second thought, God knows best and I really can trust him. Third thought, God's grace is good for everyone, not just my selection of people. <laughs> hey, listen, we live in a bias and prejudice world, not just talking about race or ethnicity. We live in people that if you don't think like me politically, if you don't think like me spiritually, if you don't think like me this way, if you don't do this, if you don't do that, and if you're, if you're not always uh, um, uh, completely acquiescing to, to my terms and what I think, then you're a bigot and you're this and you're that. Hey, no. No, God loves you and I love you. We may not agree, but God loves you and I love you. And let that be my perspective, that God's grace is good for everyone, not just my selection of people. And then lastly today is this. Last takeaway. We should live a better for thee life, not a better for me life. What does this mean? Direct it towards God. God, help me to live a better for thee life, not a better for me life. Help me to live a better for you life, not a better for Dennis Fountain life. God, help me every day to realize I don't know best. You do. 
So help me today to be humble before you. Take advantage of my second chances. But God, today, today, I want everything I do today to point to you. I had a friend summarize what he thought about the book of Jonah, and I love the quote. This story is not just about God using Jonah to reach Nineveh. It's about God using Nineveh to reach Jonah. Hey, Jonah had salvation. He knew God. Nineveh didn't. So God said, all right, Jonah, I'm going to use you to go reach them with salvation, but I'm going to use them to strengthen you. God, I'm going to use them to help you. Or Jonah, I'm going to use them to help you. You see, God wanted to use Jonah to reach Nineveh, but God also wanted to use Nineveh to reach into Jonah's life. I wonder this morning, what Nineveh has God allowed into your life that he's wanting to use to help you see you? What Nineveh is God wanting to use to show you places when you've said, God, this is better for me? What Nineveh is God wanting to use to help you live a better for him life, not better for you? So the main decision I'd ask us to make today is, God, help me to live a life for you, not myself. Help me to live a life that shows grace like you've given grace. But maybe today you can't live a life for God because you don't know God. I would ask you this question. Do you know for sure that heaven is where you'd spend eternity? If you're here this morning, you don't know that. You don't know where you'd spend eternity. Hey, the Bible says every single one of us will spend eternity somewhere, heaven or hell. And it's not based upon our merit or our good works or our church attendance or our baptism as to where we go. It's based solely upon if we have a time in our life when we've received Jesus Christ into our life. You see, he died on the cross, he was buried, and he rose again. And the whole reason he did that was for you and for me. And if you're here and you've never put your faith and your trust in Christ, today can be that day. Today can be the day where you say, God, I choose you. God, I choose to believe that you died on the cross for me and that you want to save me. If you do know Christ as your Savior, today would you look at the story of Jonah and help, help your, ask God to help you. God, help me to remember you know best. I can trust you. Help me to live for you this week. I'd like every head bowed and every eye closed this morning. Every head bowed and every eye closed. And today as we come to this invitation, this is a time when we're invited to respond to God. Today, if God's spoken to you, will you respond to him?